0: Welcome to Lay of the Brand, a podcast where we sit down with the experts on the latest innovations in marketing, creative, and PR, and the way these disciplines are revolutionizing how the tech industry communicates and sells to the world. I'm Merit Group Senior Strategist Richard Sheehy, and this time on Lay of the Brand, exploring how you can make your brand more agile. By embracing consumer feedback and creating a brand that continuously evolves while staying true to its values. To do that here on The Lay of the Brand, we've got Greg Kilstrom. He's the author of the book, The Agile Brand, and host of his own podcast, The Agile World, which focuses on empowering consumers and organizations in this quickly evolving agile economy. Welcome, Greg. Good to have you here.
1: Oh, thanks so much.
0: Um, Congratulations on a podcast. We like to sort of cross-pollinate wherever possible, wherever it's interesting. Thank you. Um, And it's definitely interesting here, I think, because... um, just the name of that book and those two terms together, agile and brand, they're very powerful, very significant, like very meaningful terms in marketing and PR. And to hear them together is is, is intriguing to me. And because when you think of brand, you think of something that's very enduring and very uh Oh, I guess enduring is probably yeah, the best yeah, word,
1: that's a great, yes. but
0: it, but it's something that still needs to be flexible. And I think that that's, if if I'm right, I, where you're getting at it with this title is to sort of try, find that sweet spot of having a brand that's enduring and has consistency over time, but is not so rigid that it can't adapt and be flexible. In other words, so that it can be agile. So, just, so tell me about those two terms in that and what that term means to you those two yeah, words together.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, there is definitely a, a paradox that you kind of mentioned of, there are things that need to stay the same. Um, you know, things like values and mission don't, you know, you don't, you do not want to be agile with your mission and values. Right. So um, from day to day, everyone needs to understand those things and really be aligned with them. But there are a lot of things that do need to change and do need to be relying on, on more and more feedback and, and things like analytics and all of that. So, my background really comes from from three different areas converging, which would be creative marketing and technology. And so I know agile from software development. I'm not a developer myself, but I know I've run you know technology teams and things like that. I also know agile from being a marketer. and you know agile marketing is something where even if people aren't saying that they're doing it, they're doing they're do, they're using agile principles a lot more and more because we have access to data in more you know either real time or near real time. And so able- like A, B testing, full stack experimentation, things like that? Exactly, exactly. And when you do that and when you do it methodically, so, you know, the, ba- the bad way of doing it is to take a look at the numbers and say, oh, my God, everything's going bad, so let's change everything. The good way of doing that is to do things in what's referred to as sprints and say, okay, we're going to run things for some period of time. It could be a week. It could be a month. But, you know, some relatively short duration of time. And adjust things as needed. And so, you know, I I took this idea from marketing and from technology and did, you know, have that, um, whether it was internal dialogue or dialogue with some other people as well, and just said, okay, well, brands need to be more agile and nimble. But, you know, to your point earlier, they can't just change everything all the time. Even logo redesigns. I mean, how many times has Mm. a true rebrand of a large company been truly successful? I mean, you can probably count on one or maybe two hands, you know, so it's and probably for every one of those you you have a lot of where there's a false start and they go back to 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 the old way, yeah you know people have a lot of sense of ownership around a brand, yeah, I mean the gap was a was a big one, you know even like Tropicana packaging, all of those types of you know there is there's consumer backlash when people do it um do it wrong or don 't do it well. One of the big examples I used in my book was Netflix, who um, about six or seven years back, uh, and, uh, they were about to split their service into streaming and, and mail order. Oh, right, yeah. And they actually changed their mind. And so, you know, I use that as an example. Most often we think of being agile as changing and modifying and all of this stuff. They actually listened to their customers and who were just saying, we don't want to subscribe to two things we're going to leave you all together if you do that. And they, I mean, you know, like anyone who's launched a national brand before how much work and effort actually goes into doing that. They went through all of that and then actually made the decision based on customer feedback, based on, I'm sure, running some numbers as well. They didn't do it in a vacuum, but they were actually agile and nimble enough to undo something. So I yeah. think, I think that, that speaks to a kind of a, a different way of looking at it. To me, that's interesting because
0: One would think that when we really mature an approach to agile brand, you you do enough of the pre-launch testing that you make fewer mistakes Um, post-launch. But I don't know if that's true. So when you wrote the book, did did that sort of go into – because – Let's put it this let's put this another way that that Netflix example almost looks like a midstream Eureka moment for them. They're like, oh, my God, we should have thought about this. Almost like the, you know, when New Coke came around in the early.
1: Yeah. yeah. New <laughs> Coke, Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. It's like the list goes on. Right. Yeah.
0: So I guess the, the, the way out, what I'm trying to get around is how much of agile is is sort of orienting your approach before you may go public with something? And how much of it is this the continuous improvement mindset once you do launch something?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great question. I mean, I think the 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 point of agile is that we can't know what we don't know until we run it in market or or things like that. So, we make the best decisions we possibly can. We say we you know, we know the business requirements. So that's that's I think that's the other thing that that people who don't know agile as well need to understand is We don't change our goals, you know, like willy nilly or like every month to month or whatever. Our goals are always the same. It's just how we get there and and what we need to do to get there. So we're always going to want to sell a million widgets at the end of the day, but it's how we sell those widgets and when and what channels and all of those types of things. We know that we're going to make mistakes, and you know, we that that's just being a good marketer or technologist or brand person or whatever is just Mm -hmm. saying, okay, well we're going to have to make some safe bets and we're going to have to make a little riskier bets, but all, all in all, we're going to make the the durations short enough where if we mess up, we can change and we can be responsive. And a lot of times, I mean, like the Netflix example, when you show that you're responsive to your customers and you actually take their feedback, I mean, that's one of the main values that I think of a, of an agile brand is just listening to and responding to customers. And mm-hmm. when you do that, you can mess up once in a while and it's okay. Um, as long as they know kind of where you're going and, you stay true to the values that, you know, why values aren't always social good values. Values are sometimes just being, you know, a, you know, a, a guide to your customers or, you know, it can be it can be, a, it can be a, a little different thing like that. And I a, could
0: imagine values would also change depending on your stakeholders. You know, you yeah. a company rightfully will have some fiscal values when dealing with, you know, shareholders and investors. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. obviously quality control for customers. There is a certain amount of, you know. Domain expertise when communicating with peer organizations. Um, let, let, let's get back to this idea of devops. Uh, and and because I think that when people hear about agile principles and applying them to marketing or even just anywhere outside technology in the company, that's music yeah. to a technologist, ears because it's like so much of technology in a company. Is a, a, around a culture, you know, getting people to think past like these slow requirements driven waterfall process, thinking more in the fail fast, all these things that we've been talking about. Mm and obviously when we look at a marketing campaign marketing is is very structured well structured for that kind of those types of sprints because marketing campaigns can be a day or a couple days or weeks so you can adjust the time frame you can have time box all this stuff that really lends itself well to agile yeah so my question greg is we're talking about more than just marketing campaigns we're you know getting back to this idea of a brand it's i don't want to say the word sacred but it's the closest thing to a sacred asset uh, that a company probably has is its brand. So where are some of the guardrails that help you be a little more flexible using these agile principles, but not to be so willy-nilly or so yeah. reflexive that you lose any of that integrity and any of that consistency around your brand?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think um, short answer is it it definitely does come down to compromising values is what you don't want to do. And And you make great points of saying, Again, Nike, like Nike and the Colin Kaepernick, that's not the only way that brands look at values. You know, to your point, it's it's also shareholder value. It's what do you mean by that? Just just supporting so, um, people.
0: I mean, I know they know about the Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, brand,
1: sure, but- sure. So taking a stand on a social issue, that you know, that expressed Nike's values in a way. And, you know, they made probably some safe bets on they were only gonna lose so many um burning sneakers on YouTube or, or whatever. But um, you know, they that was something that not only was authentic to Nike's brand because they take stands on things like, you know, on social issues and things like that. But what I guess what I'm saying there is it doesn't always have to look like that. It could look like something a lot more straightforward as far as having a good customer experience and going above and beyond when something bad happens to someone or something like that. So it values can take a lot of different forms.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But I think, the other thing that brands need to understand is that they do need to give up a little bit more control than they ever have. And, you know, this comes down to um, branding becomes a lot about both internal and external. And I think, you know, a lot lot of marketing people forget that. What do you mean by that? Sure. So employee experience. So I think in the marketing world, um, customer experience is a term that is, you know, people that have been doing customer experience for years are like, we've always been here. But Um, marketing people are really starting to glom onto this this idea of customer experience is a very holistic, it's not just about marketing, it's about the entire process that a customer goes through. Just as important is employee experience. So if you have happy employees, you're going to have happy customers. It starts on the inside and goes outside. And this is, it seems straightforward once you kind of buy into this philosophy, but so many companies think about, okay, well, Let's change the logo and, and you know, change the tagline or something like that. And that'll make everything OK. But really, if they don't start changing from the inside and really, um, you know, understand how their employees are not only behaving with each other, but behaving with customers, uh, things like values, you know, if they value being, um, you know, great customer service, but their customer service team is terrible and doesn't really buy into the brand and is how, complaining on glassdoor.com yeah yeah exactly yeah how are they how are they going to have a great customer experience you know yeah. so all of these things a brand is so much more than you know than a logo than a tagline than than the you know that that's kind of superficial stuff and while all of that is very important i mean you know great logos are instantly recognizable great brands are do a lot of do a lot of good to help promote a brand a brand is becoming so much more it's it's about every every touch point that you have with an organization yeah so that th- th- that brings up this question issue of complexity. When we talk
0: about every touch point, we talk about across the organization, we talk about internal perceptions, customer perceptions, all sorts of stakeholder perceptions. It, it's all part of this tapestry of impressions that feed into a, a brand. Yeah. Um, and as we were talking about a little earlier, agile principles are great for A-B testing. Like sh- should my call to action be worded this way or that way? Or maybe, you know, a bit more complex into different omni-channel uh, Tools that we're using for a month long campaign, let's say, for subscribers on a Netflix or whatever. But even those examples are very simplistic when you think about all the different pieces that go into a brand. So I guess my question to you, Greg, is if you're looking at agile principles and agile approaches to shore up brand integrity, um, how do you handle that complexity of there being so many? not only so many different components that make up your brand, but so many different starting points of how an impression can be generated from internal, external, you know, all those different stakeholders. It's a lot to keep track of.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, I think, you know, step one is just making sure that you actually have buy-in from everyone involved. So, you know, back in the day, redesigning a logo and that just being all someone did about rebranding it, that did not take, you know, that did not take HR and operations and finance Maybe finance had to approve the check or something, but it did not take this holistic buy-in. But a rebranding effort, it's it's looking more and more like organizational change management at this point, because everyone has to buy into it. Every part of the organization, they may not, they probably shouldn't be involved in choosing colors and taglines, but they need to be bought into why we're rebranding, what the brand stands for and how the brand actually relates to them. I mean, everyone from, IT and how they handle internal processes to obviously to marketing and, and others that are handling customers and, and, and things like that. So it's really, it's, it's become way more complex because there are things like glass door that people look at. There is social media that is public facing that, um, you know, a brand doesn't solely control their message anymore. Every, Mm -hmm. everyone can talk about them. So, yeah. yeah. So, Let me, let's talk about
0: that. You know, within the org chart, you know, in any organization you mentioned, HR, ops, finance, IT, lots of different, uh, departments that need to work together. And maybe they need to work together as never before. So in, in sort of thinking through this, what's your sense of like the, the people who need to, to learn most about each other's job. Like, uh, I guess what I'm saying is right now, like we could probably go out there to most companies and probably the sales and marketing people probably know a bit about each other's work. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably um, <laughs> external comms and legal. They probably know about each other's work. I mean, there may be issues in terms of they need to understand each other's world a bit more. But but I would imagine that in, in looking at this newly holistic uh you know, interconnected approach to, to, to maintaining a brand throughout all these different departments. There's probably some people are probably exchanging business cards for the first time. So, so what's your, what's your sense of certain departments that really need to shore up or, or certain professionals that you probably need to learn more about each other's job, given this challenge?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think, um, you know, in smaller organizations, that part actually becomes pretty easy because, you know, you're sitting right across from them. But, you know, yeah, you get 10, 20, 30,000 employees and all of a sudden, you know, certain things are impossible. I think step one is starting by understanding your place in the bigger picture. And so if you understand what the bigger picture is and then you understand how you relate to it, that's step one. That's not the only, you know, it it, go, it needs to go beyond that. But If IT understands that the big vision is A and their piece of it is B, then at least they can connect those dots when they talk to the marketing team or the finance team or something like that. Step two is painting a bigger picture for everyone. And, you know, to your point, yeah, it's 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 often, you know, it's sometimes in larger organizations. There's even some animosity between groups, some. You know, competition for budgets and and things like that. But, you know, I think there's some natural fits like marketing and technology need to know each other way more than they ever do. And, you know, I've seen um, technology budgets going over into the marketing team more and more as marketing becomes more of a technical profession and, and things like that. But those two need to really understand each other. I think HR Needs to understand. I mean, they already need to understand the roles of of different, um, you know, different people within the organization. But I think marketing and HR need to understand each other a lot more because, again, you've got the glass doors out there. You've got people talking about you that may not even, they may, they may even like the organization, but not truly understand what the, what the organization's all about. And so, you know, why not? it, you know, often it's, it's talked about as people talking about the company is a bad thing, but what if they talked well about your company, they just said the wrong thing. And so there's a missed opportunity there. So I think there's, hmm. there's opportunity there to, you know, let's use employees as, you know, vocal advocates. If, you know, if we have happy employees, they're going to do that. Well, it's interesting what you said there, Greg, is like that
0: nuance that you just pointed out, like, well, you know, the, the, there could be a person's talking, uh, accurately about a company that's in trouble, or maybe the company's in perfect shape, but the person's just not talking about it the right way. Yeah, That's a nuance there that suggests a question to me to you, which is if we're using agile principles to test, and then we're talking about this continuous improvement, does that improve our posture to be able to really nuance those differences? Like that difference you just made a point of, is there something about an agile approach that allows us to discover that difference Uh, As opposed to something that's a bit more blunt or
1: maybe not as uh, not as sophisticated in terms of uh, maintaining our brand. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the benefit of it is that it is just a it's a scientific method to do something. So, I mean, I think it's not that I mean, Agile is a very broad, you know, that you can get very specific. There's different flavors of it, so on and so forth. But the idea is that there is a scientific way of doing things. You do things in, you know, in those iterations, those sprints you do it for a, an agreed upon period of time there is a product owner that owns okay these are the requirements that we need to fulfill team it's up to you to try to solve it at the end of the sprint we're going to evaluate and then we're going to we're going to figure out we'll pivot if we need to we'll optimize what we have mm-hmm. if it's working well and so quite often you know companies will they'll go for a year and let things go and then say oh wow we failed we didn't hit our numbers but what methodical steps did you actually take to, you know, to try to improve that? You just kind of set it and forget it, and then you look back and oh well, it didn't really work, so let's mm-hmm. never do that again. So
0: let's talk about that agile team, you know, the Scrum team or whoever. In, in, a, in a pure technology uh, environment, we may just be talking about different, like a data scientist and you know statistician or something like sure, that. Yeah. I would imagine that the kind of team you would need for this approach on branding would be much more interdisciplinary. Uh, what are some of the job titles of people who would be on that kind of team who are testing innovation, who are looking at results, who are, you know, doing that continuous improvement. Who's, yeah. on, who's on that team?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you would want a mix of, of, you know, the, the creative, the brand people that, that are thinking aesthetically and, and feel and, and and vision for the company in that way. You do want marketing people that are understanding. They're the ones that are actually going to be measuring it out in the market, you do want hr you know someone looking at it from the inside are employees do employees feel like this is genuine and you know just like the marketing people are going to be tasked with do customers feel like this is genuine if they you know if they roll their eyes when a when a tv ad comes on and don't feel like it, you know, feel like it's out of nowhere, then you're, you know, it could be the greatest TV ad in the world, but who cares, because it doesn't resonate with your audience. So, you know, you have those internal and external parties that are that are part of that. And then, you know, as needed, I mean, technology becomes more and more of a a player in all of these things. And, you know, there, there is currently kind of a tug of war between marketing and technology over who really owns some of the stuff. But, um, you know, healthy organizations kind of have a nice division of labor over, over who does what, um, and so, but you know, they're probably going to be at the table in some way, whether it's you know, you were saying like data science or something like that, at the very right. least. I guess my last question is:
0: It seems like that this process can definitely help reap a lot more insight, a lot more transparency about what's working, what's not working, what impressions are, including internal employees or or B two B or B two C. So, my question, Greg, is: Is it possible to To be too transparent, Um, because we are talking about cultivating a brand. We're not talking about uh, public journalism or public government where everything is by definition and by law needs to be public. We're talking about organizations that have proprietary interests, that have competitive interests. Um, So as we get our hands on more information about the organization and about our brand, I guess my final question is how do organizations strike that balance in terms of what to share internally, what to discount what to share externally uh, what to do with all that extra information all that extra insight
1: yeah I mean great great question and um, I'm actually I'm working on a follow-up book actually to the agile brand which goes a little deeper into some of this and actually starts talking about agile organizations so that is where ops HR finance all of these things I mean companies like PNG and and others, uh, ing, have they all end with G? I guess, but um, <laughs> um, the, those G companies really like agile. But um, so they've invested time and years and money and dollars into um, you know really trying to understand how an entire organization can buy into this. So I think you know to answer your question though about transparency, I think having a process and and following it is kind of decoupled from what information is shared. So in other words, an organization can choose to share as much or as little as they want. And I totally agree with you. I owned a small agency for a while. I tried various ways of sometimes I was too transparent. Sometimes I wasn't transparent. You know, it's a constant kind of like, how do you give everyone enough so that they're, they're bought so in? probably like a translucent perfect pitch point here yeah and I think, <laughs> It'd be translucent. I, if you find it please let me know Maybe that's but, your next book right right but I, and i think to your point every every company has its own you know it's maybe a cheesy term but like it has its own dna and and there is that there is that balance of you know what is what is going to motivate this set this group of employees what is that culture that is you know culture is kind of like values where you can try to create it. You can try to, like, build it from scratch. But it, some of it is just organic, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. what happens. Some of it needs to be intentional. So, I, you're, unfortunately, your answer is it depends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, as a consultant, I often – I say that too much probably, but, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. Well, Greg Kilstrom, thanks so much for being here. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much.
0: Greg Kilstrom is author of the book The Agile Brand, and he's host of his own podcast, The Agile World, which focuses on empowering consumers and organizations in the agile economy. Lay of the Brand's executive producer is Melissa Chadwick. Francesca Ella Trash is the producer and showrunner, and our assistant producers are Jonathan Schubert and Jessica Chapeau. Graphic designed by Haley Baumgartner. Got a topic or suggestion or want to share feedback with Lay of the Brand? We'd love to hear from you. Just subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. Also, spread the word, tell your friends, and make sure that you and your friends like us. To learn more about The Merit Group, check us out online at www.merrittgrp.com. See you next time.